answer that question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not? Chasing history. Jake Larson. I needed to find this Shaka Khan song. I couldn't think of the name of it, and so I had to stop in the middle of the sidewalk. And two-time Nebraska walk-on trial participant Colton Stone. <laughs> I'm putting a 12-6 that only has a 12 right at the batter's head. Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. Good morning, beautiful people. It's 10 a.m. on a Friday, 90.3 care in New Lincoln. 10 a.m. on a Friday means it's Chasing History Time. Colton Stone alongside Jake Larson. Jake, we are in a new studio, first time, finally back live this semester. Um, renovation's still going on, but how are you this morning? Doing good. This is kind of like the, uh, like when the Seattle uh, Seahawks played at uh, Washington Husky Stadium. This is like our Husky Stadium before we go in back into CenturyLink Field. Well, it's kind of like when the Vikings played where Minnesota Bank, plays, too. Yeah, yeah. TCF Bank, si- uh, similar situation. That, yeah, I should have gone with that one. That's a little newer. It's a little closer, too. Yeah. But, um... I just remember NFL Blitz 2002 always playing at Husky Stadium. <laughs> cause it, was just, it was just fun. It was just a fun place to play. So, other than that, how are you this morning? You yeah. good? You all right? Absolutely. Um, I found ready to chase some history. Absolutely, I found something really interesting today. Lay it on me. All right. So, have you ever heard of a baseball player by the name of uh, Greg Jeffries? Maybe. <laughs> all right. Well, he played the '90s. Uh, decent player. Two All-Star appearances and two times finishing the MVP voting. Very efficient player. Anyways, I see that twice he finished in the Rookie of the Year voting. Think about that. Finished twice. How well, okay. There are two In two different years, he finished in the Rookie of the Year voting. Where How? He placed. <laughs> Explain Comparing, it to me. So Do you know? I, I think what happened is, so in 1988, he played only 29 games, but in that 29 games, he hit six home runs, batted 321, and stole five bases. Okay. And just because of that short span of time, he finished uh, sixth in the Rookie of the Year voting of 1988. 1989, however, he played 141 games. Didn't put up... He was actually pretty awful that year. I don't know why he finished as high as he did in the voting, but... Um, he broke what is considered rookie limits, mm-hmm. so that's the technicality there. But it's just <laughs> no one's ever, re- as Norm Macdonald once said, it's, no one's ever repeated rookie of the year before. <laughs> <laughs> but one guy's repeated being nominated. Voted. That's voted the closest. This is the closest ever was Greg Jeffries being in 1988-1989 finishing in the placing for the rookie of the year vote. And I know. We talked about this uh, last year when it came down to the NBA Rookie of the Year and how people were up in arms that, well, Ben Simmons had, you know, he, he had played before. Like he, he had already, like, he was on a know, been on the roster, right? And it's like, like you mentioned, being hurt doesn't – it didn't give him any advantage other than, yeah, maybe he had professional training and physical therapy and – all that, but that's it. I mean, he still wasn't really playing the game of basketball, so I don't see how that really helped him out. I mean, what's the difference between that and uh, 
a red shirt. That's like saying, "Hey, that red for, red shirt freshman one freshman of the year." That's not fair. And it's like yeah, he's a sophomore. It's like yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, academically, but I mean, so anyways, we got you got plenty to talk about today. Besides that, I think it's uh, I think it's time to get started. Oh yeah, so. we got to make sure that. Oh, I hope it. So here we go. Yeah, about the delicious that six minute mark. That's about normal. Um, <laughs> right. So tomorrow, Jake, uh, some people would call it a rekindling a rivalry. Some people would call it playing Colorado, um, and other people would just call it another football game. And I think my opinion is, no matter what your opinion, <laughs> we're just getting right into it. Yeah, no matter what. No, I'm just saying, no matter what your opinion is on the Colorado in Nebraska as a rivalry or not. It's Big Eight football, like it's no, that's fair. Because even if we're playing Iowa State or uh, Kansas, it's still like, hey, Kansas, we're playing Big Eight football. That's how I see it. I think that's one thing we can all agree on is that we were once in the Big Eight with them. Well, Wikipedia (laughs) calls it the rivalry, so it must be true, right? Um, Honestly, well, I wanted to go here really quick. Have you ever seen? And I know this is a little off topic, but it's chasing history, so of course it's off topic. But um, have you seen the top ten? Well, not top ten. It's called the bottom ten. Ryan McGee does it every week for college football. Uh, no, I've heard of it though. Okay, so f- the four of the top bottom ten were uh, FBS teams that lost to FCS, D one AA, whatever teams. Mm-hmm. One of them was Kansas, and people were tweeting out. Oh well, there goes can- one of Kansas's chances to get a win. Yeah, the other one's going to be Texas. Yeah, the other ones, and Texas lost to Maryland. And then there's the there's the coveted fifth spot, and that's I think Texas had it this week because they lost to Maryland. So Texas is back, back to not being back. So, but yeah, no, you're right. Colorado, Nebraska. Either way, it's it's Big Eight football. Um, it's. Smash mouth football. Yeah, you know, if if even if it's not a rivalry, it's it's still always been a good game. It's always something you kind of geared up for, even if Nebraska was winning all the time. It was still something that you woke up and were kind of like, all right, well, it's Colorado. And oh, it's, so a rivalry? No, <laughs> it's Black Friday. <laughs> it's the last game of the year. I think that's that's kind of what added a little bit of. Flavor is not the right word, but a little bit of like extra gumption at the end of the year to like get that win because a lot of times it was, you know, it, it could decide whether you were winning ten or eleven games or if you were getting bowl eligible. And now, does that make it a rivalry game? I don't. Maybe, but does it make it just as important as any other game during the season? Yeah, I think so. So I don't know. I have I have the I have the series history pulled up. This is a seventieth meeting. And Nebraska's won 49 50, times. 49. Yeah, okay, they're, so they're going for 50. All right, so how I see it is I – historically, if you took the entire time of the rivalry, mm-hmm. it's our, – our biggest rival over all history is Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the rivalry between us and Oklahoma, like especially with talking about fans now about it, is – there's a whole a whole lot of respect uh, on both sides mm-hmm. for each other. It was just 
two really good football teams that just really needed to beat each other. That's how that rivalry started. Well, yeah, that's the thing is no one no one really hates Oklahoma. I mean, you, you kind of are upset that it's like, wow, why are they still really good and mm-hmm. Nebraska's been so up and yeah. down. But at the same time... Mostly down. Mo- mostly down. Um, <laughs> mostly pretty plateaued. Um, but the Mostly thing, nine and four. <laughs> plateau, yeah. They, they just leveled right off. Um, the other thing with Oklahoma, though, is the fact that, you know, they they still haven't in the long run really won that much, and neither has Colorado. But every time they played, you you knew you were gonna get the best out of each team. Like even if one team was bad and the other team was, you know, at least middle of the road, you were still gonna get a really good football game. I now I can probably go find a couple of blowouts on both sides, and probably more recently than of old, but. I, I think you're right. I just think Oklahoma's more of a, a respect thing than, than well, we really hate these guys, but they're just pretty good at football. That, and that's what I think is that if there is a team as well that – not any much anymore now that Iowa exists, but um, if there is a – it used to be the case that it's like if there's – what's your most hated college football team if you ask like a bunch of Nebraska fans? The most uh, common answer I would say would be Colorado. And just – Using more of a, a historic perspective, their coach and I. One second, I want to look up who it was. They had a coach at Colorado, and I feel like who knows he could be still be here because. What year? Um, just wait. Because okay. I can start rattling them off if you need me to. Um, go ahead. Let's well, go. it wasn't. It's probably not Hawkins. Hawkins was before McIntyre, and then there was Barnett, and then there's one that just came out a few days ago. That said, uh, Bill, ra- Bill McCartney. Yeah, but McCartney just came out the other day and said, I'd rather be dead than in red. Yes, so it was it was him who, when he joined Nebraska, he took a very uh, Woody Hayes-esque approach mm-hmm. and was just like, I don't care. I mean, I want us to win. I'm very competitive, but... My number one priority going into every season is we have to beat Nebraska. Yeah. And he just absolutely hates Nebraska with all fiber of his being. And Colorado fans are – I'll get into that in a bit. But um, <laughs> um, but the whole thing was just he, he hated – he built a culture of hating Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard for – to for someone to start something like that and to not create at least some sort of a rivalry you have to i mean you have to say that it's a rivalry on some level of the word oh yeah but you don't have to say like it's full-blown or or anything like that but at some point you know it's not a trophy game or anything like that but like i said it still was a game that people got up and were like it's probably gonna be a good football game i would say from about the late 80s to honestly the late 80s until nebraska's end uh in the big 12 the colorado was our biggest rival mm-hmm. and oh yeah i'll and i'll say this um first of all oklahoma just fell off near the last few years of the big eight they yeah. had a lot of like five and seven and six and six seasons and then they got really good in the early 2000s and then they kind of but leveled that, off but again. yeah but the thing was that when they got really good in the early 2000s uh nebraska was separated yeah. And they didn't play them every and they didn't. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. 
But and so, but we played Colorado every year. Colorado was always good. Nebraska was always good. And if they weren't, and they were always good at the same time, and they were always bad at the same time. Well, yeah, wasn't it two thousand eight? The the Henry kick wasn't that to see who got to go to a bowl game. Um, I think they were both. We already five had and a six. we already had a bowl game. No, that was two thousand seven, oh, okay. in which we lost. But um, no, Colorado was going to be bowl eligible with a win. That's we had right. just gotten it. We had just gotten it okay. a couple games before, but we were still around at the same mm-hmm. same level. So the only reason that I'm like, I mean, you you can look at the series record and and say it's not. A rivalry. I mean, that's pretty easy to to say. Yeah, but at the same yeah. time, you're right. I mean, you, they played them every year. It it's one of the longest like standing, you know, matchups for Nebraska. That the team they've played the one of the teams they played the most. And Colorado was never was never that bad. And especially, like, I mean, think about all the 90s matchups between the two of them. They were always good in those. And that's why it started, because Nebraska was, you know, no 90s Nebraska. And that and Colorado happened to be their rival. Yeah. That's why that was so, as big as it was. But for such a long time before then, it was completely one-sided toward Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And just, it was more of in recent years what created that rivalry. But Nebraska would win every year, but it was always closer than it should be. And it was, it was, yeah, in the 90s, that was Nebraska's biggest game outside of the championship that they'd probably play in and win. So, want to hear some history? Well, the, of course I do. The only time that Colorado led the series was after a 1961 win in Lincoln, where they took the lead 10 9 and 1. And then we just whooped them out. And about now, how many wins do they have? They have 18 total. So they got eight more after 1961. That that's why I lean to it not really being that big of a deal. I think it's bigger to Colorado fans. Oh, oh, absolutely. Way absolutely. bigger than absolutely. Nebraska. Because that was their. That was their. That was their game. Right. Because with us, we also had Oklahoma. I I also think Nebraska fans just hate Colorado because of. Mm-hmm who Colorado fans are as people. Exactly. That's, that's what I always think of. Because, like, and I'll get into this. So I mentioned <laughs> um, the my old man. He's from, uh, or he's, he's from Nebraska, but at one point he lived in Boulder. Mm-hmm. And he would have, you know, buddies and stuff that would come up to Nebraska, game, Nebraska games and so on. But even when they wouldn't even come up for Nebraska games, just the fact that they have, like, a license plate, you'd hear of, like, people with any license plates just getting tires slashed. I don't know if any of them happened to one of uh, his friends or whatever, uh-huh. but you were like had to like cover it up because... Like, didn't you say even like not during game days? Like if, if you were just No, yeah, like I said, state? like not even game... If it was just like an any license plate and you're in Boulder, you're getting your tires slashed. You're like getting, that's, that's... You're getting batteries thrown at you. You're getting <laughs> bottles thrown at you. Lit on fire. <laughs> but no, Fights in the just, parking lot. Uh, yeah, that's just how Colorado fans. That's are. football, and that's <laughs> yeah. And so we just we just want them to lose, and it it could be the record could be ninety nine nothing, but we just there's so much animosity between the two fans that yeah. it's going to be a rivalry oh, regardless yeah. of the record. And not only that, but Nebraska. If you look at Nebraska's head to head records against everyone from about nineteen eighty to two thousand one, they're pretty lopsided. They're all going to be lopsided. I mean, unless it's a team they only played 
like two or three times. Unless it's Florida State. It's... <laughs> unless it's Penn State, I guess. Yeah, um, unless, yeah, on fields where there's suddenly an extra space near the five-yard line. A <laughs> um, little bit more history, just like getting into the matchup between the two. I love it. Inject me with this history. Oh, here it comes. Uh, current win streak, Nebraska won the last three in a row. Uh, longest win streak, Nebraska from 1968 to 1985 won 18 times in a row. And the largest victory was in 1981, Nebraska won 59 to 0. You alright? No. I just. You good? Wow. <laughs> That's all I gotta say about that. And what was, yeah, what was Colorado's most lopsided victory? That's not listed. It's not listed. I think, I, I can find it. I though. think it's, I think it was fifty-two to seven in like the fifties, like the check fifty-six, like right around that time. Real specific here: sixteen nothing, fifty-six, twenty-seven nothing, fifty-seven. Twenty-seven nothing. It's twenty-seven nothing then. Yeah, it has. I mean, the I think the highest scoring game, unless I find another one, uh, 2007, 65-51. Um, like you said, or like we said, that one was for bowl eligibility. Yeah, that's got 27 points is the biggest win they have. But you look at, are you okay? Do you remember, two, so 2001, 62-36 Colorado wins. That I don't like talking about that. And then Nebraska, I mean, I it, and then Nebraska no. goes to the national championship game. Okay, yeah, that no, that will never fail to confuse me. Is how like you couldn't. Didn't win they your, lose two games that year? Weren't they eleven and? Well, two? no, no, no. They were eleven and one. Or eleven at the and end one. Of okay. the, going into the, the Miami game, but no, that'll, I'll never figure out how someone can't win their conference division, and but they can the, go to the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait. Oh, outside of the SEC in like the early earlier this decade, that's the only way that you mean. Happen. You mean like last year? <laughs> no, like remember when LSU and Alabama they were one and two oh in the division God. and also one and two in the country. And honestly, yeah, both so of they, them deserved it too. I mean, they, they deserved were, to play right, again. Chasing history, we're going to get off topic. They deserved to play each other because they were probably the two best teams in the country. But at the same time, it's like we watched this snoozer the first time. Alabama didn't even play in the. It was right. Alabama didn't play in the SEC title game, yet they're playing LSU for the whole thing. I remember being so excited to watch nine that to six. Game. Yeah, I remember like that, being so excited to, to watch that game, and then I was just like, "Oh, hope you like punts." It was so boring, dude. I get whenever I think that it's going to be an SEC team versus another SEC team all of last year. It's going to be like I just you, don't want to watch. I don't want to watch it. Yeah, if it's an S, if you see two SEC see SEC teams play against each other. Here's what you should do. Find an, a newspaper article about an NFL game from the 1920s, and that's what happened. <laughs> Three nothing. Dog runs onto the field. <laughs> Eight fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and the other thing, too. Well, fans come out, get rained on. And then look at this. They're talking about, like, Alabama's going to play Clemson the fourth year in a row. If Alabama plays Clemson one more time, I have no faith in this football playoff. I, I'm all, I've already started to like falter from it and not really put my full faith in it. But Clemson has probably the easiest path to going 13-0 and this year of any team. Not that they actually will, but the ACC is kind of like uh, a little iffy. And so 
But if they play Alabama one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do. Can I get off topic still? More? Uh, yeah. Can I propose my college football playoff idea? Eight and Dayton. 16 and Dayton. So, <laughs> all right. So, two weeks before uh, January 1st, we have eight games, and that's the 16 teams that play in it. Okay. And then two weeks later, we go to the four games with mm-hmm. eight teams, and each of those are the four major bowls. Okay. And then the week after, we're gonna, they'd extend the season one extra week, but they do, you know, four games. Um, the, yeah, the four quarterfinal games are all on New Year's Day. Okay. And then the week after, it's uh, final four starts, and then okay. that's... Because honestly, my I, thinking about it is that the that's the closest they can do, um, to make it interesting enough so like they could create some sort of upsets like they do in um, in the March Madness, but not in so many teams that it takes away the idea of bowl games. Well, here's the thing, and and this is what Frost has said is the fact that like when he was at Oregon, they went to. It was 2013. I think it was, a, or no, 2010. Well, they played Auburn, but they also then were in the 2013, they were in the college football mm-hmm. playoffs. But yeah. they they said that the, the glaring issue with it is the fact that, you know, you go to a Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, fill-in-the-blank, Fiesta Bowl, whatever you want to call it, you know, whichever one, and it still gets treated like a bowl game, but it's a yeah. semifinal game. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, we won the Rose Bowl, but... Now, oh, we still got to go play another game. Like, most fans could, couldn't could care less mm-hmm. if they won the Rose Bowl as long as they win the game and then win the title. Because if you lose the title game, it doesn't matter if you won the Rose Bowl. And that it doesn't was, matter if you won the Sugar Bowl. And that was the other idea that I had. And actually, probably I started with this one. Okay. Was get rid of, like, the first – so it's eight teams, get rid of the first one. Okay. All four, all four New Year's Bowl games are played regularly, but the winners of those games – it's reseeded, okay, and then it does, and then it's January eighth, and then fifteenth or because whatever. the one that people have been throwing around, and I like this idea is, and I know we're way off, but it doesn't matter anymore. You know, it, it, um, it, it just whatever. It just this is what happens. Um, the thing with it, and and I have one other thing for Colorado Nebraska, but I'll have to find it while you talk. But anyways. Um, and the one that's been thrown around is if they do expand it to eight, the first four games you play are on college campuses, are on the campus of the higher seed team. So you you basically eliminate one of the weeks of bowl prep. Mm-hmm. So you have your conference championship week, you get a week off, and then before all the other bowl games start, uh, like December 15th or whatever it is, like that, that week, mm-hmm. yeah. um, the second week after the title games, you play, so say it's like for example last year. Say UCF gets the wild card to be number eight, and Alabama's number one. So UCF goes to Tuscaloosa and plays Alabama there. Mm-hmm. That way, it you know less travel costs, less hotel costs, et cetera, et cetera. And then the final four, you know, they can consider those you know the major, the two major bowl games, and then the title game. Mm-hmm. And I the reason I like that idea is. It does. You don't have to like make that much more room 
first season you know you aren't like no one gets bye weeks we'll just play 12 straight weeks and you don't have to start playing in the middle of august either now the people that want like 16 teams you know that's when you start going okay do we play the entire month of january do we keep these student athletes out of class even longer do we not let them see their families even more like it's it just becomes a job rather than a sport so i feel like you just add that extra game a week after or two weeks after Mm -hmm. the title give them a week off and then just start it from there and that's why with with my proposal i was hoping that um you that way just adding a week extra or a little over i guess wouldn't be the most damaging thing to do but i just there needs to be a balance between you know getting getting more teams a fair chance but also just really keeping the bowl tradition because it just really annoys me how it's like oh the winner of the big 10 conference isn't going to go to the rose bowl he's going to the outback bowl like that's just i don't really that's just not tradition that's just not how it's supposed to be you doing something can you hurry it Of the seven, 69 meetings of Colorado and Nebraska, mm-hmm. 38 times has the winner been ranked. Wow. 38 times. Can't believe he got back on track. Yeah. I, I, I figured I would I would find that number. I know that took me a little longer. Than that. I lost count, and then I had to go back. But 38 times the winner has been ranked. Obviously, that won't be this year. But, um, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, the other thing, too, is like we've mentioned, they played at the end of the year. So a lot of times it's like, oh, you know, Colorado's good enough to be you know, 18 or 19. Nebraska's, like, Nebraska's good enough to be like, 8 or 9 mm-hmm. or 7 or 6, you know, whatever. Um, I could go through and waste more time and find out how many times Nebraska was number 1 or 2 when they won, but... A lot. Actually, not... Actually... Not yeah, that many, but there the were years. times that they would get boosted to, like, 1 or 2 after just because of their record. Because mm, beating Colorado, who was usually a ranked team, would mm-hmm. go from third to second or first. And, and if it like showed the actual matchup, I could find how many times they played each other and it was a ranked matchup. So um, probably, I, I mean, probably a decent amount of the time. Because if Colorado was ranked, Nebraska probably was ranked. That's mm-hmm. kind of the way I've looked at it. But um, yeah, there we go. Put a bookend on that. Football playoffs. <laughs> Speaking of football... And I guess a historic kind of, unless you have anything else to say about Colorado. We'll come back to, I don't like them. do we want to like talk about their other rivals or do we want to go to this Butler thing? Let's go to the Butler thing. Because okay, we'll I think come. we've you know, figured it out that this Colorado at one point, when it was important, they was, were Nebraska, rival- was Nebraska's biggest rival. They, Historically, they, all time, no. That's going to be Oklahoma. Okay. Because Oklahoma, it was always... Who it always meant something. Here's where I mean I typed this out, but who is the either most like the forced rival in your opinion, or like a fake rival? Someone that's just like, oh, we hate these guys, but Missouri. Really? Do you have a reason? My reason is it's okay. Out of all the games that we've played, all these historic matchups Nebraska's had, mm-hmm. Missouri's the one where there's a trophy. Like, uh, there's a trophy from Minnesota. <laughs> that one's honestly that's the that, most authentic rivalry. Honestly, that's that's true because back in the day we played them just about more than any other team, 
And I mean, this, yeah, going back 100 years, but still that was one of our most common opponents. Mm -hmm. And so I do kind of like that they're forcing it, but there's a reason why. Well, yeah, there's, with Minnesota, it's kind of like, hey, Fopolini and, uh, is his name Bucky? I never remember. Um, their golden gopher what's his name no bucky is the buckeye right no nah, i oh you're right i don't uh, let me look it up yeah we have it's public information um but anyways oh what is his name why can i not remember it goldie is it just goldie the gopher um goldie gopher Goldie the go okay. Goldie anyway, so it became a Twitter thing that they're like, let's make it the broken chair and five dollar trophy, and then they made it, and then it was like a legitimate thing, and then it went missing the first year that Riley was at Nebraska, and then it like made Wait, a resurgence from our campus because we lost. <laughs> no, like Wait, no one knew where it was. I I know. I'm just making a goof. <laughs> Anyways, and then it made a resurgence the next year, and then, you know, we all know what happened against Minnesota last year. So, um, the reason I liked Missouri, I mean, I, I, the thing is, is I don't really hate Missouri, um, because, Missouri, I mean, how many times was Missouri really, really good? Really never. Like, a, like a few, maybe? Why we shouldn't have had a trophy with them. It's like, it's a game. 2007. When they played Kansas in the uh, yeah, border that was war, the only time Nebraska Missouri was ever really a rivalry was in the two thousands. Yeah, when both teams were like would have years where they were both good at the same. Right. Time. Yeah, and like Missouri, the border war with with Kansas. I remember that they both were undefeated for some reason when they went to that game, and it was who was going to win the Big Twelve North. But other than that, yeah, you're right. It was. Uh, yeah, Missouri has never been really up there. I, I appreciate it that there's a trophy. I always think trophy games are not necessarily more important. There's just like a little extra to it unless you like are. A trophy? Yeah, there, there's like something. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something else that's involved. Unless you're um, UCF and, and UConn and then Bob Diaco makes up a trophy and, and then Scott Frost leaves it out in the rain. So, um, so conflict. I don't know why. I was ever thinking. There's, there's gotta be, there's a joke there somewhere. I just can't, I just, I can't put it together right now. No, Bob Diaco creating something, Scott Frost taking it and leaving it out in the rain. I feel it should be reversed. That's how it was. You know, it'll, it'll come to me um, in October, and I'll let you know what it was. <laughs> We're gonna shut the mics off, and then you'll remember what the joke was. Um, I'll just like run into the studio October thirteenth. Oh, guys, I got it. <laughs> It's the most random time. 2.30 a.m. Just last thing here with the rivals. I personally, I think Wisconsin is the most, not forced rival, but they, you know, there's a name for it. At least with the Heroes game, not not a fan of it, but there's a good meaning behind it when they play Iowa. And personally, and I know a lot of people that like Nebraska, uh, they hate Iowa. And I know a lot of people that like Iowa. Just hate I hate them, but they also hate <laughs> Nebraska. And, and it doesn't like it. It's never mattered if they played or not. It's just that like, hey, now we play every year, and people were pushing so hard for for that to be the Black Friday game. Like people were up in arms that like it was going to be Minnesota for two years, and so Bill Moose is like, yep, it's uh, it's going to be Iowa. That was again. honestly that was and Sean he didn't even that was Sean Eichhorst, uh That was that's what got probably, the axe. Oh yeah. I mean, there were a couple other things, but I mean, that was probably the I mean, nail I guess in the coffin. Could, I guess you could say so. Um, 
Well, and then I, I I still think it's funny that Bill Moose was like came out and said, "Yep, we're playing Minnesota on Black Friday." And then I was back. He got no confirmation from anybody. He just like stated it and was like, "Here we go, we're doing it." Because Bill Moose I said is so. the Al Davis of college sports, and I <laughs> and I'm all for it. Oh, so no, personally, I think it's I think it's Wisconsin just because they put a name on it, and Wisconsin has just. Just put a beat down on Nebraska recently. Yeah. And and some of the games have been close, so the score doesn't show that Wisconsin just overpowered them. But it's like every time you go in, it's if you lose to Wisconsin, you lose the Big Ten West. Like there's just you don't have a choice. Yeah. Like that's just how it is. Also personally, I think we're halfway through the show and we should probably find a new topic. <laughs> no. It's okay. well we did, yeah. We got off topic and had a completely separate topic. Okay. Um Butler football. Uh, speaking of, I at some point I mentioned Pelini, um, but Bo Pelini is the head coach of Youngstown State, um, and they played Butler last week. And I know when I said to you, and I, I, you know that I'm like really weird with collecting college apparel and hats and all that. So I like I I get pretty in depth with um, like smaller schools, but I said to you yesterday that Butler football beat Youngstown State, and your reply was. Does Butler have a football team? And I thought, I thought I could, if someone told me to name every FCS and FBS team, I could write you, write them down for you. Mm-hmm. I was so shocked by that because I, like I said, I thought I knew them. Well, and see, that's the thing is you you hear a school like Butler or you hear a school like uh, Villanova or you hear, cause Villanova has football too. Yes. And I'm sure you knew that, mm-hmm. but you know, you hear schools like that. They're like, Oh, great basketball programs and you realize they have either a d1aa i I think d1aa um fcs and the reason is and and we looked it up the reason butler had to jump from where they were is because in 1992 or after the 92 season uh the ncaa said if you competed in d1 basketball that your football program was not allowed to participate in d3 football and Butler, Georgetown, um, there was another school in there that was a perennial basketball powerhouse. They they weren't on scholarship because it was Division Three. Like there are no athletic scholarships in Division Three. And jumping jumping from D three to FCS, first of all, is like unheard of. Mm-hmm. And second of all, like you can't go from having no scholarships to having sixty three scholarships for football. Like it's just impossible. So they decided to make the I believe it's the Pioneers Football Conference, yep. or Pioneers Pi- Athletic, Pioneer whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's six teams. They just made their own Division One. It's non-scholarship. The players that were playing are, already knew they weren't getting scholarships, and and so they they made a team. And now Butler beats Youngstown State, which is probably one of the the biggest wins uh, in in like FCS history because. Butler should not have beaten Youngstown State. Butler should not have a football team either. <laughs> well, there's that. And Young, Youngstown State was in the FCS title game exactly. two years ago exactly. against they're one of good, the best programs, James Madison. They're a good team. Yeah, they aren't they're bad at football. Team. So I, I I, don't know if that begs a question that maybe there's other schools we don't know that have football programs but or, or what the state of FCS is because you're seeing these FCS teams beat teams like Kansas and UTEP 
and you know, Kansas. I mean, I don't know Teams if Kansas like really counts. Yeah. Kansas is an FCS team at this but point I mean, in time. Everyone still talks about Appalachian State being Michigan. Hey, they almost beat Penn State. Exactly. But they're FBS now. But yeah, that's the but thing. Still, at, you know, I mean, there's still there's still Appalachian State. I don't think anyone's ever mentioned Appalachian State without saying, "Hey, remember that time they beat Michigan?" I know I haven't. I know I've never talked about Appalachian State without talking about them beating with without them beating uh, Michigan. Like I, it just I feel like they go in the same breath. They just it's that memorable, and they won like by two points. I remember that. Game. I remember watching that. I was in Chicago. That was that was pretty surreal, honestly. But uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. See you next week. Um, no. So <laughs> well, and. Oh, and, and now I guess Sports Illustrated is saying App State and Michigan has nothing on Butler, Youngstown State. So I'm going to open that up, and we're going to see what that means. But I know, I mean, you look at, you look at like, historic upsets uh, in college football, and a lot of them are, like, honestly between FBS and other FBS schools. Like, there's not many times where, you know, you're going, oh, like – I, again, when you mention Appalachian State, it's the upset. Like I, I don't really know m- that many other teams that I, I, off the top of my head, that I go, oh, man, that was a huge upset of like a perennial or a blue blood like program. I mean, you can say you know North Dakota State like rattled off five wins over FBS teams, but I think two of them were Kansas. One was Iowa, and then I don't remember who the other two were, but they, I mean. You look at schools, schools like that. But the, the flip side is, is that North Dakota State has also won five or six national championships in D one AA, and I mean that just doesn't translate. Like that's that's not the same as if you know North Dakota State played Kansas and Butler played Kansas. I mean, you would hope. I know Butler just beat Youngstown State, but you would hope that Butler would not beat Kansas. Right. I mean, it would. Right. I mean, I mean but at least is, you'd know that Kansas still gets to beat Texas. <laughs> that one of the all-time upsets, Kansas over Texas. Just Texas over Kansas. Uh, yeah, when they when they finally beat them. By the way, can I just say this? Wow. On Baseball Reference, one of the players, a random players on the front page, his name is Don Slot. Okay. Don Slot. Like onslaught. Yeah, but his name is Don. Slot. That is amazing. That's a baseball name. That, that is... He led the league in baseball names. <laughs> he, led the, he, led, he led the league in baseball. <laughs> um, let's see. He batted 283 for his career. Wow. Well, good on you, Don Slot. Speaking of that Pioneer League, um, last season, they said last season they actually... actually Last season may actually be the biggest upset in college football this century when San Diego won the Pioneer League, which when you look at the teams in the Pioneer League, it's like all East Coast and San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Drake's in there. And then Drake. Well, yeah, Des Moines, right? I guess Midwest. Um, San Diego ran the first four-minute mile. What does that mean? Anyways, uh, San Diego – earns an FCS playoff berth, and then they beat Northern Arizona in the first round. Mm-hmm. And so I I don't know if Northern Arizona's good at football, but apparently... they got a pretty cool stadium. 
Have you been down there? Lumberjack's no. pretty sweet. No, but it's, there's a picture of it online. <laughs> I, have, you, have you heard of this internet thing? You can find all kinds of pictures of stadiums. We have that? Uh, yeah, I got it a couple couple days ago. Just tried it out. Tried it out. It's good. Uh, looking at, I don't know how much you've really studied the uh, college football schedule for this year, but do you expect an upset like Appalachian State? Because we almost had two in the Big Ten where Appalachian State almost beat Penn State went to overtime, and then you look at Michigan State, who almost got beat by Utah State. And after um, we did some further evaluation from either show, and the the difference between Appalachian State and Utah State is actually pretty big in favor of Appalachian State. They were 9-4 and four last year with a bowl victory, and Utah State was like 3-9 and nine, or 4-8, and eight, something like that. So either way, they would have been – big upsets but i i don't know if you expect anything like that this year i mean i can't tell you anything about what who's going to play who and what i expect which i mean you can't really try to predict upsets that's literally what march madness is i know and that's why and that's why it's kind of ridiculous but (laughs) because because you what happens is not what is expected that's what an upset is and so it's hard to yeah, you it's hard to expect something that's unexpected. Well, and that's like, when, like I said, with March Madness, you look at it and go, oh, well, this 12 is going to beat a 5. Well, historically speaking, exactly. there's a really good chance that a 12 beats a 5. Like, what it's not to, unheard of. What I used to do when I'd make a bracket, I'd be like, okay, so this team has a really high, this 14 seed has a really high tempo offense, mm-hmm. and this 3 seed um, has had trouble with them. So what I'm going to do... I'm going to pick the 14 seed for this one. And then, of course, 14 seed just get absolutely killed. And then the one time where you're like, oh, this 11th seed is going to get destroyed because this team's really good at doing this and that, and the other team isn't, then that 11th seed ends up just destroying them or winning, or, you know, wins in some way, some dramatic buzzer beater, or even like Mm -hmm. a 20-point win. You just, it always just goes against what you expect. Um, just to, I guess, add a, a little bit of upset history, and I predicted this last year, and I'm, I'm, oh sure, I'm done, I'm dumb, so I'm predicting it again this year, that Kentucky will finally end their losing streak to the Florida Gators. Oh, I, 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 I and I, I want to say yes because Florida was terrible last year, but that was their chance to beat them. They had them on the ropes, twenty-seven. 13, no, 27-14, going to the fourth quarter. Two different times the Stoops-led Wildcats were out on the field with 10 guys with a wide receiver left wide open who all he had to do was wave his arm, and the inefficient quarterbacks of Florida were able to hit a guy that was just wide open. Two times. And, also, but also, and then a holding call, a 57-yard field goal that was missed, and it just... Kentucky's going to be pretty good this year. I'd say 7-5, and five, honestly. I mean, that's good for Kentucky football. Yeah, for I mean, for, yeah, for, their, for Kentucky standards, I feel like... And they play go, in the SEC, so... They're going to be, you know, 7-5 or 6-6. Six and six. And um, because... Well, the one thing I do know about them is that they had the... I think... I don't know if he was the number one JUCO um, guy overall, but he was way up there, and he was the number one quarterback and he's a dual threat mm-hmm. and so 
he he can do some damage to other teams. And so I think if he if he clicks with the offense and just is on his game, Kentucky can do some pretty good things on offense this year. Well, Florida is as of yesterday a thirteen and a half point favorite. They they entered the week as a fourteen point favorite. Last year was was at Kentucky, but this streak is now to thirty one years in a row that Kentucky has not beat Florida. Jeez. I know, and that's why I don't know if I should even keep betting on Kentucky or keep even picking that. Not even – I mean, there has to be – there's no monetary value with this pick. It literally is just – it's almost for pride. And last year was their chance to get it, but I look look for that upset this week. I, I, I just want it to happen. Right, yeah. I just do. So, Jake, we've got uh, – oh, we got about 13 minutes. we got history that we have chased – as of yesterday. And yeah, and not only that, but it's baseball, so I'll know what I'm talking about. There you go. So right now... Oh, you didn't know what you were talking about the the other 40 minutes? No. Oh, okay. I was just, I was just kind of spitballing. No, that's fair. So anyway, right now, um, with the Major League standings, we've got a couple teams that might are chasing some sort of record or some sort of milestone. Um, Boston Red Sox right now, 97-44, looking to possibly get... Uh, the coveted 110 plus wins, but the but that's we don't care about good on this show. We're all about being bad, and right now we have the Kansas City Royals uh, and Baltimore Orioles, who respectively have are uh, 46 and 93 and 41 and 99. And most the thing is, can they crack 50 wins? Um, not a whole lot of teams have been worse than that. Um, within the live ball era, the the bad team that everyone always thinks of is the 1962 Miracle Mets, mm-hmm. 40 and 120. However, everyone's beaten that to death, even though they kind of already did that to themselves. Today on this today's show, we want to talk about a team that barely avoided history barely avoided being the worst baseball team in the live ball era that people just don't seem to bring up a whole lot and that is the 2003 detroit tigers detroit tigers in uh 2003 finished let me bring up the stats here but they finished 100 no they didn't with 119 losses 43 and 119 um let me see how many games out they finished i'm gonna have to look this up here uh, they finished. I know it was in the they 50s, finished. I think. So they finished forty-seven games out. Okay. So the fourth place team. So there's five teams in the American League Central Division. Okay. Well, the five fourth, teams in every division, but that's well, now. but back yeah back yeah, yeah, then yeah. there were still five teams. So the Cleveland Indians were fourth out of five. Okay. They were twenty-two games out of first place. That's a twenty-five game difference. And Detroit Tiger was Detroit Tigers from being from going to fourth place were more games out than the fourth place team was from first place. My goodness. And let's and it's not like the Cleveland Indians were close. They were sixty eight and ninety four. Like yeah. they were garbage. Still not good baseball. They were garbage. Well, and speaking of this year's team, uh, I mean, I want to talk about Detroit, but speaking of this, like I I know we did this, we plugged in the uh percentage yesterday i know i think both teams played yesterday but we plugged in uh kansas city was still on pace to win six more games uh which would push them to 52 i think 
Um, and then I think Baltimore was on pace to win four or five more games. So they, they would get over 50 also. So, um, or they would get close to it at least. So I don't think we'll see a team. I mean, I'll eat my words when I'm wrong because it's still very possible with how bad both of these teams have been. Um, and the fact that the Royals just have no one of that, of their World Series team pretty much left other than Perez and, and Escobar and everybody else is just kind of filling in, I guess, and Gordon, sorry. Um, but I, I would be surprised if both teams didn't get over 50, but I also will not be surprised if one of them is under 50. But, um, and I know we, we were talking about, um, you know, live ball, but even like it says here, the 119 losses broke the Philly Athletics uh, American League record of 117 losses. Mm-hmm. And I know they play more game. They they played more games, but still, 119 losses <laughs> like the most in American League history. That is that's rough. And so yeah, not only that, I'm going to get into some more yeah, stats here for you. Throw it at me. So from May 4th through 7th, 2003. The Detroit Tigers had their longest winning streak of the season of four games. Okay. That improved their record to seven and twenty-five. So if you do the math, before that four game winning streak, they were three and twenty-five on May third. Oh my goodness. They started off the season oh. uh, they started off the season oh some some uh, notable records here started off zero and nine. April 22nd, they were 1-17. And, <sighs> and they also, let's see, their longest losing their longest losing streak. Sorry, I've leaned away from the mic a bit. All right, uh, 31-86. They lost 11 straight games, and there's a couple times where they've they were come close. What is most – actually, let's we'll, we'll save this that bit for last. I'm going to look at some player statistics here. Okay. So we're going to look at um, – the top 12 players on the team by war. We're just going to name a couple. So by number war, one. War. So number one. Is it a negative number? No. Oh, okay. That I think that's impossible technically. But oh anyway. well, war you can have a negative number, right? What? Can't you have a negative no, you can number have, for no, war? No, you can have a negative number, but like the top player. Oh. Okay. Like so, someone has to have some positive <laughs> war. Anyway, so Dimitri Young was. I remember Dimitri Young. Yeah, he was number one on the team. In war, led the team in war with 3.4 wins above replacement, which is not not good. Not great. But what's even worse is that second place had half of that. <laughs> um, and a couple well, notable Who could players. watch this? And I say that as a Phillies fan. Who could watch this kind of baseball? And not wait. Because the Phillies but to be reached fair, the highest highs and hit the lowest lows. To be fair, uh, the second place guy, Warren Morris, who had half, that was because he only played 97 games. Oh, so he played like almost half the games. He played a little more than half the games. And he was still second on the team in wins above replacement. Oh, my goodness. So there's that. Um, Nate Cornejo, um, Eric Munson, Carlos Pena in his rookie year. Had 1.3 wins. I think one notable player on here who, um, I don't even, yeah, he wasn't even a regular starter, was sixth. And that was actually a former Papillion resident, Shane Halter, who I don't know how much you know about Shane Halter. No, don't. Tell me. So, 
Shane Halter, along with being from, he moved around a bunch, but at one point lived uh, in Papillion and resided there for a while. Okay. He is one of the few guys to play all nine positions in nine innings in a major league game. Other than Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah, Will Ferrell's in there too. But no, in, in outside of spring training, like in an yeah, actual game. Yeah, in an actual game. Mm-hmm. Who do you, and this is for the Tigers he did this? Um, I believe so is when he did it for the Tigers. Now, does that mean he played each of the outfield positions or he just played in the outfield? No, he he played all okay. three outfield positions. That's impressive. And yeah, he was yeah, he was a and catcher. He was a Jeez. decent yeah, he was a, a decent utility guy. Um, to say the least. Played well, yeah. played every like every team would hire him. It's like, "Oh, we need a third baseman. We'll have backup third baseman. We need a backup second baseman shortstop." That was where he was. So he's kind of your guy was that was like Hey, we have a hole that we need to fill. Especially in the infield, where he's where he mainly played. And if there's a hole in the infield, he'd always be able to fill in. So let's look at the pitching, and I'm about to vomit. I just well, did you mention the, the run differential? So, yeah. Oh, of course. Run differential. Because we're talking about offense. Um, so, um, 591 runs were scored by the team. Which, in in its own right, isn't that It's not, not good. terrible. It's not good, but it's, but it's not, you know, the worst thing I've ever seen. I've definitely seen uh, yeah. lower. Um, but let's let's actually see um, how they were. Oh, a, a bright spot was that they finished third in the American League in triples. <laughs> <laughs> um, they Yeah, they did finish um, they did finish uh, last in the league in runs scored, but it's not like a number where you're like, oh my god. Yeah. It's like that's Did they bad. even use it's, bats this year? It's like it's yeah, it's bad, but it's not like one of these like vomit inducing. However, what is vomit inducing <laughs> is they allowed nine hundred and twenty eight runs. And what's even crazier is that have you do you know what Pythagorean record is? I've heard of it. So Pythagorean record like, it averages yeah. out you runs allowed and how many runs you score into what your record should be. Right. And so considering how crap those runs and runs allowed is, they actually, their Pythagorean record bumps them up to almost 50 wins. Wow. With 928 runs allowed. Jeez. That was an improvement on themselves. That was better than what they should have done. Well, and see, that just shows you that, yeah, they they could have scored more, but that means they didn't. They didn't allow that many runs. It's just the fact that they just had way less than the other the other teams mm-hmm. they played, right? And then the other number on here, the American League that year uh, finished with a batting average of two fifty nine, mm-hmm. and they were nineteen points below with a two forty batting average. Nineteen points below the average. So let's hear that pitching. We've only oh. got about three minutes. So okay. Or whatever, whatever you're freaking out about over those. All right. It. So, do you know how familiar are are you with WHIP as well? Walks, hits, innings pitched. Yeah. Like, yeah. do you know like what's good and what's bad in terms of looking at if you look at it and be like, that's just give me a quick rundown. I think All so. Right. But... So I'm gonna go through the starting pitching here. Um, one point five, one point four five, one point five four, one point four four, one point six five of the starting pitchers. Okay. That is disgusting. If someone has a whip at 1.4 exactly you should consider taking him out of your starting rotation yet their best player had a 1.44 and he finished all right era of starting pitchers 4.6 5.7 5.5 6 and 6 
And then the bullpen, 5.45, 4.68, 3.32. Okay. He had a – He should have been a Jamie Walker. Yeah, Jamie Walker, 3.3, um, um, whip of 1.2. But then Franklin Germain, um, 2.6. Probably the closer. 2.06 whip, not ERA. Oh. Whip. Wow, okay. And he still pitched 45 games. Oh, my goodness. I think we could have made the 2003 Tigers. You know who led the – you know how many – two guys tied the team uh, for saves? uh, How many? Six. Five. Oh, (laughs) And so I think what I needed to get to was the the most crazy part about this team. So they finished one win. No, they finished with one loss less than the all-time record mm-hmm. in the modern era. But that but that was because they had to win um, five and one in their last six games. Jeez. So they had to go the hottest they'd like re- remarkably hot in their last six games. In order to, by one game, not be the worst team ever. Might want to put your headphones on. I know. So, I think we can assume that they were the worst baseball team, at least since 2000. And the only team worse than them in the live ball era was the Mets. The Miracle right? Mets. like the miracle. The Marvelous Mets, actually. But um, Same thing. Jake? Miracle Mets were the actual good ones. Jake, we've got 30 seconds. You got anything left? Yeah, shout out to Rolly. Shout out to Mustache Man. Shout out to all the mommies. Um, and who else? Pot Roast. Pot Roast. Whirly. Whirly. Can't forget. Shout out to your dad, Keith. Oh, shout out to, yeah, shout out to old man. Anybody Keep else? It high and tight. <laughs> all right. We will catch you guys next week, 10 a.m., Chasing History on Friday. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.